0: From ransomware and other hacker attacks to malicious deeds and mistakes by insiders, healthcare organizations and their vendors continue to fall victim to data breaches and other security incidents. What are they still doing wrong? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Kate Borton, founder and president of privacy and security consulting firm The Marblehead Group. Kate will be speaking to us about the kinds of mistakes that she sees covered entities and their business associates continue to make that put them at risk for all kinds of breaches and other security incidents, as we're seeing. So, Kate... Based on what you see, what are the most common and to you the most frustrating mistakes that entities are still making that are landing them on the Department of Health and Human Services wall of shame for large breaches, as well as causing smaller privacy breaches at their organizations?
1: It runs the whole gamut. The HIPAA security rule talks about administrative and physical and technical controls And I think we're still seeing issues with organizations' recognition of the full gamut uh, and the expectation of a robust, mature information security program. This is 2017. I've been working on this since the 90s when HIPAA first came out and I'm sorry that the industry hasn't made more progress. There definitely has been some, but not as much as as I would have expected. And I think that we need to see. But I think there are some root causes that the the recent uh, task force report actually pointed out, did a good job of. But with things like ransomware and the big breaches, it continues to be a question of a robust security program that is consistently patching, applying updates. Uh, Of course, with WannaCry, for example, it's not clear when Microsoft actually was aware of the vulnerability in their software. Millions and millions of lines of code, there are clearly going to be vulnerabilities. There are some software loopholes that can be exploited when they're discovered. So the NSA knew about that for a while, but until it got out, apparently it hadn't really been exploited So when Microsoft does come out with updates, with patches and fixes, we need to be pretty prompt getting on those. The reality is at an enterprise level, doing it right takes resources. You really want to have a test bed, anything that affects your organization, you want to test before you implement it, whether it's the Windows operating system or a browser, any other piece of foundational or structural software, you really need to test before you implement it in your organization because of potential conflicts with the application software you're running. So to do it right really does take a commitment to resources. And as we know, and the task force report pointed out, one of the chronic root causes of of our problems is a lack of budget, lack of resources, a lack of expertise, those kinds of problems. So that's a one quick view. Making sure we have adequate backups and keeping those separate. So on sometimes cloud backup is a good idea in this case, because it's if your local network is subject to malware, we don't want that malware or the intruder to be able to get to your backups and infect those backups as well.
0: So, Kate, you mentioned early on that a lot of organizations still fail to meet even HIPAA compliance, and a lot of the things that we're seeing, some of these cyber attacks seem sophisticated in a way, perhaps, that many of them are not prepared to deal with. With that said, also, some organizations still kind of take this checkbox approach to their security and aim mostly for sort of bare minimum HIPAA compliance. What's your advice to organizations to sort of step it up a bit? Even if they think they're doing a good job complying with HIPAA, what should they be doing beyond
1: that? It's interesting, Marianne, you point out that many organizations use the, the sort of checkbox approach and I think that for me to answer with a, oh, yeah, here are the five things you should do, is really just an extension of that checkbox approach. And again, I think we really have some serious root cause issues here. Security is not a business imperative for most healthcare provider organizations today, there is an issue with governance, leadership, resources, budget. As the task force report pointed out, a chronic problem has been that many of our healthcare organizations are running on what they refer to as a very thin budget. So, for example, here where I am in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, many of the hospitals are not for profit. And we've gone through years where most hospitals in the state are running in the red with a budget deficit. When your main product is patient care, you're going to be focusing on, for example, the nurse-patient ratio and nurse staffing. And security is going to take a back seat. I think there are going to be very few people in the organization saying, "Oh, we we need to lay off some nurses so we can hire more security people." It's just a serious chronic issue that the whole industry and and HHS I think needs to to help with now HHS actually made some suggestions of some collaborative resources outsourcing to some managed security services including outsourcing an organization's information security officer leadership and there are a few organizations already doing that but It's a chronic problem until the organization recognizes that information security is definitely more than some checkboxes. And it includes not only the technology, but processes. You have to not only be capturing all sorts of logs, but you better be reviewing them. And you need to be not only adding users to your active directory, but you better be Periodically going back and reviewing every user account that you have in Active Directory, in your EHR, in all of your applications. That takes some expertise and it takes time and resources. So, chronic problems, the governance, the task force report actually made a comparison. We talk about nursing staff to patient ratios in healthcare, and while there may be a lot of disagreement about what those numbers should be we accept that it is a legitimate way to look at how our organizations are are structured how many patients per nurse but when we look at security resources that's only going to be a general guideline but a hospital with maybe thousands of employees, often does not have a full-time security leader. And that would be contrary to whatever the staffing models we come up with in the industry. We're woefully inadequate in terms of security leadership in our organizations. And it also plays out in where the security role is. It's almost always buried in the IT department. Maybe ostensibly The CIO also has the title of the information security official, as required by HIPAA. But very few CIOs that I know actually have any real information security expertise. And furthermore, the roles are really in conflict at times. So it's not really an appropriate relationship either. But the information security goals and mission are not usually represented at the highest levels of the organization. We're seeing a little bit of a shift at the board level because many board members, say at the hospital, are from the business world. They read the paper. They maybe run businesses that have been affected by malware and various attacks And they are asking more questions about security of the organization. So there are some some improvements there in terms of a growing awareness, but it still isn't anywhere near where, where it needs to be. And I think that also is true of HIPAA privacy. I think there have been a number of guidances from HHS in the last year or two focusing on patients' rights. And we find that many organizations are not doing a good job of fulfilling patients' rights, access to their own information in an easy way in various electronic formats and so on, and a lot of overcharging. So HHS has made it very clear they don't think patients should have to pay for a copy of their own records, but they do give a lot of guidance on what organizations are permitted to charge and yet we see organization after organization violating those probably not willfully But they're not really as focused on on those patients' rights as they should be. And again, I think it's a leadership issue. Oh, organizations that don't post privacy notice. I had to go to a blood lab to get some blood drawn for my annual physical recently. And it was a very small space. But as we're standing in the waiting room with the person who is about to draw my blood, she's verifying all my identity credentials orally. In front of everybody in the waiting room. And I said something to her in a quiet tone, like, you know, this really isn't difficult compliant. She wants my date of birth, my address, my everything. And she said, well, we've been told that it's fine. <laughs> Dismissed it. Organization leadership, we need better understanding of what information security is all about. And I don't just mean the security rule. You can go to a law firm and buy a set of policies that just mimic the regulations. That's not an appropriate response. We need information security, professional expertise. There are internationally recognized credentials and professional societies that we can draw on for assistance. And we need HIPAA privacy, knowledge and leadership. There was in the news recently an executive who released the name of a patient to the press without the patient's permission. That should never have happened. Organizations in the business of healthcare, providing healthcare, need to be so steeped in these regulations that they are always cautious about talking publicly about patients. That should have, that executive should have talked to the privacy officer and said, is it appropriate or not? before ever revealing that patient's identity. So I think this lack of a really strong governance structure with security and privacy leadership at the very top of our organizations, this is not, security is not just an IT problem. And we still are facing these issues that have been around since HIPAA in the 90s.
0: Kate, what about medical devices? In the WannaCry attacks, the ransomware infected medical devices from at least one manufacturer that's admitted this publicly, what security-related mistakes do you see healthcare entities continue to make or, for that matter, inaction that's leaving these medical devices vulnerable to potential security incidents?
1: Medical device management, I think, is a real headache for provider organizations. They have a whole different life cycle and management than the typical devices managed by the IT department, the end user workstations, whether they're desktops or laptops or tablets and smartphones that are usually the standard fare of the IT department. Very often medical devices are managed by maybe a biomedical engineering person or department. Very often it's outsourced to third-party vendors who specialize in particular devices, particular products that they're knowledgeable about. So there's a gap there. In terms of good security practices being applied broadly, you might be running some medical software on a Windows machine that's still running XP. There are historic issues with the medical device manufacturers who, of course, are under very special constraints because these are just because of the nature of medical devices and the harm they could cause a patient if they are somehow inappropriately modified. So I'm sympathetic with the device manufacturers, to some extent, but they are also sometimes not sufficiently responsive when the underlying operating system, for example, is flawed. And we know it, and we know it's vulnerable, but we can't update it because the device, the medical software, it is not going to work appropriately on it, or it hasn't been adequately tested and certified. So the FDA is, is clearly closely involved in this. And again, The recent task force report talked about medical devices and talked about collaboration with the FDA. And there's obviously a lot of crossover there. I'm glad to see that that's an issue that was highlighted in the report. And I think we need to see more uh, movement on this. But I think it needs to be led at the government level. We need to get HHS, the FDA, the device manufacturers altogether to acknowledge that there are serious security issues here that have to be dealt with in a a more aggressive way than we've seen in the past.
0: I've been speaking to Kate Borton of the Marblehead Group. I'm Marianne Kobasek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.